to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who, the Sarah Jane Adventures, and, of course, Torchwood. My name is David, and as always, I'm joined by the revelrous Matt. Hello there. So, Matt, we're back on the Torchwood beat again. Today. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about that? Uh, just <laughs> ov- overcome with joy. Hmm. What a treat for us and for the listeners. Um, so, first things first, uh, new mic. I'm on a new mic. That's exciting. I'm hoping the sound quality will be a bit better than it was uh, last time, listeners. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, it was not an expensive mic. <laughs> so, uh, if, if it, anything, it's probably still not going to be brilliant. If anything, the sound quality is too good. I can hear like the bristles of your <laughs> hair against one another. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, we're going to sort of see how this goes and hopefully we're sorted for the foreseeable. Um, so then, Matt, uh, where, where, where do you, how are you? That's what normal people say, isn't it, to each other? They've not spoken uh, for a while. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm all right, I think. Excellent. Mostly. Moving on. Meal of the week. <laughs> Meal of the week. Right, okay, I've got a good one for you this week. Oh, I, I was only joking. Um, I was only joking. Uh, how, how's your oh. week been? Are you okay? Been up to much? Yeah. Yeah, um, well, circumstances being what they are for me and my family at the moment, we're basically not going to be getting a summer holiday in this year to speak mm-hmm. of. It's just it, not a viable option. So... Um, what we've done is dusted off the uh, the boot jump. You, you, I've told you about the boot jump. Before. I've heard all I've about the boot about jump. Yeah, yeah, love that boot jump. So, um, slight drawback at the moment in that uh, the um, mechanism which for opening the boot <laughs> is uh, knackered and uh, is due to imminently be replaced but at the moment is a bit is a bit of an issue but uh my partner has figured out a method of sort of jimmying it open from the inside okay <laughs> so we've we figured uh let's just do it and effectively we've spent uh the uh, spare evenings and and saturday and stuff when we've had the opportunity uh, essentially sort of microdosing holiday <laughs> Right. Yes. 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 You know, just sna- just snatching four or five hours here and there, when we have the opportunity, finding somewhere nice to park up with a boot jump, going for a little walk, letting little Zorbs have a ride around on his bike, you know, uh, eating some in- inadequate meals cooked on a camping stove. As I know firsthand, that boy can ride a bike. Oh boy, can he? Uh, he can't pay attention to any oncoming traffic or people or any hazards of any kind. But he's got speed on his side. Yeah. Good on him. So that's something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice. And we'll probably touch on that a little bit more in due course. What about you, Matt? What have you been up to? Uh, not much really. Uh, don't know if I've mentioned it, but I'm moving abroad soon. Um, oh, it has come up, I think. So that largely consumes a lot of my time at the moment. Just 
getting stuff mm. sorted for that. Getting rid of all my stuff, you know. Got rid of my sofa today. I don't move out my flat for another three weeks. Where am I going to sit? <laughs> uh, just floor, I guess. I you got know. a cushion? Is it weird if I put my bed in the living room? Nah. You do you at this point, Matt. Yeah. Who's going to judge you? can't see anyone else coming around for the next three weeks, so I might just move into the living room. <laughs> or just reclassify the bedroom as the living room. Move your telly in there. Uh, it's already got... It's got one telly. It's not got the big telly. It's got the telly I'm currently Sorry, speaking you... to you on, plugged into my PC. <laughs> So you've got two tellies in your house, despite being only one person. Yeah, one in the living room, one in the bedroom. And it's great. Wow. Like, sometimes I'll be watching something, uh, and I pause it, and then I walk through to the other room, log into my Netflix or Disney+, mm-hmm. Plus, just unpause it. I think the only time I ever had a TV in my bedroom... Uh, was uh, when I was living in student halls that my bedroom was also my living room and also my study <laughs> and and uh, also uh, uh, you know contained a sink so where I did a lot of my ablutions uh, so see yeah uh, I think that's the only occasion see I'm I'm one of those I'm, people I'm, that believes yeah. you shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom because you know. Mm. It's for sleeping in, isn't it? But mm. it is quite good just waking up and watching TV in bed. Yeah, I can see how it would have its benefits. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's a funny thing. It's, and and to be clear, I'm not trying to. This is not a holier than thou thing. I think it it it's it's all just a matter of. Um, what works for you i think the trouble is if i had a tv in the bedroom i would fall into a bit of a trap with it of just having it on constantly mm. and i don't think that would do me any good well because um, mine's hooked up to my pc for obviously yeah. recording the pod and my bedroom's like an odd shape it's like hold on one two three four it's pentagram shaped um it's got five mm. walls so you can't have the TV directly facing the bed. So it's on like an odd angle. Yeah. So I can't always see it. Yeah, that's always frustrating, isn't it? Like, uh, Also, when you like, you know, when you're visiting someone's house and you're watching TV with them, but like there isn't enough room for everyone. So you end up like on a ch- in a chair that's like off to the side. And you yeah. have to sort of crane your neck to see the telly. Yeah. Now, yeah, speaking never, speaking of things that are inconvenient, David, mm-hmm. uh, before yeah. we started recording, I went to the coffee shop over the road from my house, got myself a delicious yeah. oat milk latte. Uh, but because I haven't had you. anything else today, I think the caffeine's hit me. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm about to have the worst bout of explosive diarrhea. So do you want to <laughs> talk to the listener for a little bit? Whilst I just yeah. bob next door to the bathroom and just just assess that situation for a moment or two. Yeah, feel free, feel free. Yeah, I don't know where it's, it's come from. As soon as I've sat down, I was like, oh, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, take, take all the time you need, Matt. I'm trying to think, what right. did I have for my um, tea last night? I just had a bit of pizza. I don't think I've eaten anything that's, that's bad. Uh-huh. But I'm just 
I'm just going to bob next start. If you hear the shower running, okay. something's gone terribly wrong, yeah. David. <laughs> okay, okay, enjoy. Right, I'll be two um, moments. Righty-ho. Well, listeners, uh, whilst it's just uh, you and me, what what on earth can I talk to you about? Um... I've been uh, I've been reading a lot of Valiant comics recently. Uh, I've spoken, I think, about Valiant comics in the past uh, on uh, on this illustrious podcast. Um, but I, I've had a few a couple of years where I've not really been paying much attention to them. But um, I've I've sort of finally at a point in my life where I've got sufficient free time and headspace that I can uh, read some comics again. And you know what? I've been very much enjoying it. I've just started uh, Matt Kint's run on Exo Manor War, um, which if you like um, sort of old school science fantasy, you know, far future, um, you know, I guess Star Wars-esque in a way though uh, perhaps a little more grounded, a little less sort of childish than that. But anyway, yeah, so I've been very much enjoying that. Uh, what else have I been doing? Oh, I'll tell you what, I've been watching The West Wing. I don't know why. Um, I've never seen it. And, I mean, looking looking at it in in with modern eyes, good Lord, that is a programme with some issues. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely cannot tell if I'm enjoying it or just hate watching it at this point. It seems to vary scene to scene. You know, every so often it will hit me with a scene where I, I, I'm just emotionally manipulated to perfection and I feel something deep. And then the next scene, I just want to murder everybody who's on screen, plus, of course, Aaron Sorkin for putting those words in their mouth to begin with. Um, so, yeah, kind of a, a, an excruciating... Uh, experience, but one I can't seem to quite tear myself away from. I don't know whether anyone else has had similar experiences with the West Wing, um, but it is a bewildering program. And, uh, yeah. Also, I don't think does, you know, it bears no reality, uh, uh, no resemblance to to the reality of uh, American politics, does it? Right. Nothing, Nothing to panic about. Nothing to panic about. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got the all clear, have we? Um, we'll see. We'll see. Do you, <laughs> do you ever get that when you've had an upset tummy? You go and, uh, you know, oh. evacuate. And then about two minutes later, once you've sat down, you're like, oh, no, no. Yeah, so we, we'll no, see. We didn't get the job done. <laughs> we'll see. This week can just be a, uh, okay. you know, bowel awareness special. Mm. It can indeed. Yeah. Um, right then, Matt. So, shall we do Meal of the Fortnight? Yeah, why not? On the subject. Yeah, why not? Let's talk about the good part of this process. Awkwardly, this morning I got an email from the Amateur Podcast yep. Awards asking if I wanted to make a submission. I think I'll think I'll tick that box. <laughs> do you want to go to London Amateur in October Podcast to Awards. defend this episode? Good lord! I mean. Presumably, they just they they just spam every podcast account they can find. No, no, no. They they seriously wanted us to... to enter. It would only cost us thirty pounds, <laughs> and we'd have to pay to get to London. Oh, what a bargain! Yeah, what a bargain! Yeah, flipping it. Right. Um, okay, so I've done a lot of talking, Matt. Why don't you 
uh, why don't we start with you? What has been your meal of the fortnight? Uh, so the other day, I, I took a welfare day from work. Just, you know, mm-hmm. just took a day off. And thankfully, one of my colleagues has that day as her day off of the week anyway. Uh, so we went, we went yeah. up, we went rambling uh, here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we were like, "Well, we'll stop and we'll get lunch after this." So we we went to the little town near where you live. I won't name it in case people, oh, yes. in case people invite themselves around for supper. And <laughs> in that town, there's a bookshop that's got a cafe in it. So I went there. There is indeed. And for seven pound fifty, David, you can get their afternoon mm-hmm. scone and pot of tea special. So I got a cheese scone, and let me tell you, this was a good cheese scone. Oh, excellent! So cheese scone. It came with yep. proper butter, but it also came with, mm-hmm. and what's quickly becoming one of my favourite foods, and it might explain why I've always got an upset tummy, some chili jam. But then mm-hmm. also big wedge of uh, Wensleydale on the top. It, Crikey! It, it was beautiful. Yeah, no, that that y- y- that is pure poetry to me. What you've just described there. You, you have that with a pot of Taylors of Harrogate Yorkshire Gold Tea. You're onto an absolute winner. Oh man. Yeah, no, that that's that's a that's a good addition to any day, isn't it? Yeah. Fantastic. Didn't buy any books, presumably. No, no. Because uh, I'm <laughs> downsizing. I'm moving away. Yeah, of course. I've got all the good yeah. books anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they release any new ones these days. Nah. When, when, when did we stop books? Was uh, it sort of uh, 2003, something like that, was when they officially stopped books? I don't know. I was going to say more like 30 to 40 AD. Like, when was the New Testament <laughs> published? After oh that, it, yes, indeed. It's all been downhill from there. The... <laughs> I mean, in in some ways, you're not wrong. Matt. Yeah. But let's anyway. Let's not let's not kick that hornet's nest anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, last, I'm last thing we want is another email judicious. from one of our Bible bashing listeners. Like, oh, I like <laughs> I like Doctor Who, but do you have to forsake our Lord yeah. on a weekly basis? I mean, to be honest, I, I, I honestly can't remember whether you, you edited it out or not, but uh, I mean, there, there is that episode, I think fairly early into our run, when I just referred to God with a C-bomb. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I feel like if we had any fundamentalist listeners, they probably wouldn't have made it past that. No. It's all right. They're, they're here um, for Doctor Who because they love works of fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Matt, shall I tell you about my meal of the fortnight? Is it a, an apple in the Garden of Eden, tempted by a talking uh, snake? You know what? It's not, but it's 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 closer than you might think to that, Matt. Oh wow! Um, so, on the subject of uh, dusting off the boot jump, our first stop on that itinerary um, over the last few days was a stop off at uh, Newgate Bank, which is sort of just the other side of Helmsley, Matt. Yep, yep, yep. Now, if you're going Helmsley Um, Way, did you go to Thomas the Baker HQ? 
Uh, I didn't because uh, we'd already packed some food and we were going after work on a Thursday evening. So it was, you know, shutting up time by the time we were passing through Helmsley. Okay. I'll forgive you this once. Um, Yes, indeed. Um, But yeah, no, it's a really, really nice um, bit of woodland uh, on quite a steep bank. So you've got like gorgeous views of uh, the North Yorkshire Moors. And, uh, yeah, and one of the nicest things about it, one of the things that makes it particularly great for boot jumping is that the car park itself is absolutely full of trees and you've basically got little private horseshoe-shaped bays where you're surrounded by trees on three sides. Um, So it honestly feels like a campsite. (laughs) They've got little signs up saying, no overnight stays, (laughs) and it's just like, uh, yeah, they must get a lot of overnight stays, though, because why wouldn't you? Um, But anyway, when we got there uh, and had a little toddle around, we very quickly discovered it is bilberry season, Matt. Oh. the bilberries were out in force and I've got to be honest, I had a couple of fistfuls of those guys because I love a bilberry. Uh, if if you're, listeners, if you're not familiar with a bilberry, sort of like a smaller, sourer blueberry, I guess would be the easiest way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know, like yeah. blueberries have got like quite a muted taste, haven't they? Mm. Um, yeah, but bilberries are—they—they—they they, they are full on. They are an yeah. experience, and um, they are so easy to forage. You know, very distinctive little shrubs that they grow on, and they—they uh, they only last for about a month in in the summer. But it's a good time when you're just on a walk, just passing a bilberry bush. Just you got to yoink a few of those feathers. Who's your favourite member of the travelling bilberries? <laughs> uh probably be Bill Dylan. Alright. Uh, yeah. Mine mine's Tom Petty, and I can't think of a berry pun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, surely if it's Tom Perry, just Tom Berry would No, it's Tom Petty. Oh. Tom Petty oh, and the Heartbreakers. Yeah, well, you could still go Tom Berry, couldn't you? Sort of works. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I've, I've never, in, in all honesty, I've never listened to the Travelling Wilburys. All right. Um, uh, ever listened to no Tom interest. Petty? I would probably recognise some Tom Petty songs if they were played at me. Tom Petty might be my music of the week. I'll have a think on that. Okay, well, shall I hit you with mine whilst uh, we're yeah, moving on? Sure. To music, because uh, um, I I discovered a really interesting album this week that I'm gonna recommend to our listeners. Um, I don't know. Look, this is going to be one of those things that either is fascinating to you, or it could not be something you of that you it would be something you want to run a mile from. But uh, it's a one and done album like this band put out one one album in 1976 and then disappeared uh they were called automatic fine tuning and uh it's it's fascinating in how far ahead of its time it was it's uh very very guitar driven they've got kind of the sort of twin guitar shtick going on a bit like you know wishbone ash 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of their ma- their main thing is like sort of twin harmonized guitars. Um, they do that, but they really, really up the ante in terms of complexity to the point that it almost it's kind of got like a proto metal sound at times. Um, reminds me of it's almost like sort of early nineties math rock two decades early um it's extraordinary it's a really really interesting album uh you can't get it on spotify but it is on youtube um so if that if anything any of the words i've said to you uh resonate remotely uh automatic fine tuning might be an interesting album for you to check out um but uh if not then yeah i mean there's only four tracks on here, the first of which is 14 minutes long. So, you know, it's it's not about the catchy hits. <laughs> cool. Um, uh, what about you, Matt? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> Just whilst they're in my mind. Any particular track? So, every, every time I've ever been to... Uh, forget even what it's called what what's the what's the restaurant called the music restaurant not planet hollywood um hard rock cafe hard rock cafe that's the one every time i've been in one of those i I always like it i like looking at the memorabilia and stuff there's always been a tom petty song playing it's always the song the waiting by tom petty and the heartbreakers so i'm gonna nominate that for my music of the week okay it feels Fair like enough. we're really rushing through our segments this week, David. I'm really worried that my tummy trouble has disrupted the flow of this episode. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not that. If anything, it's probably me being a driving force, partly because in uh, approximately 90 minutes' time, uh, my partner's uh, wife, so, you know, sort of mother-in-law, I guess you could say, though technically we're not married, so... Um, but anyway, she's turning up fairly short notice. <laughs> right. And the house is a tip. So I'd love to have a little scurry funge for 20 minutes before she arrives. Right. Well, we're going to move into listener tweets. Uh, I've left my phone in the bathroom. Okay. I'll be all of 10 okay. seconds. Okie doke. So, I mean, I guess I'll return briefly to Valiant Comics then, guys. Um... If uh, you are remotely interested in uh, Valiant, I would say a great place to start is the 2012 reboot era. So you've got, uh, and in particular, I'd say Fred Van Lento's run on Archer and Armstrong. It's one of the most unique and entertaining runs on any comic book I have ever read. So there you go, listeners. Another recommendation for you to check out. Right. Here we go. Listener tweets. Listener tweets. Right, David, the first listener tweet this week comes from Bernice Summerfield, and it says, when are you actually going to get round to talking about me? Oh, soon. Don't worry, Bernie. Right. Oh, it's Benny, isn't it? It's Benny that people refer to her as Bernie. (laughs) Bernie Sanders. The Doctor Who fandom is an absolute bin fire, isn't it? (laughs) It's It's like when I have to open up listener tweets... And I can see all the mm. things our listeners like online. Some absolute perverts <laughs> out there, David. Some absolute wrong ones. I'm, a, I'm ashamed to be associated with some of these. But one person I'm very proud to be associated with 
is, of course, the nicest man in all of podcasting, Mr. Mark Cochran, who simply asks Hello, David, what is your favourite yeah. drink? And if you found out it was actually made out of wasp urine and always had been, would you still would it still be your favourite and would you carry on drinking it? <laughs> so that that's one of Richard Herring's emergency uh, questions. I d I've not heard that one before. That's a good one. Um, okay. So I'll I'll answer the easy part first. My favourite drink. I think when push comes to shove, it is a good old-fashioned cup of tea. I'm sorry. I know it's a cliche, but I am British. I was raised on tea. I'm drinking a cup of tea right now. If 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 I just... The thing about a cup of tea is it is the Swiss army knife of drinks. You know, it's... it's you can drink it all through the day when you're working to keep you going. Uh, it, if you've got company round... You make a pot of tea, it's and it's you know polite society. If you just need a bit of comforting after a stressful day, cup of tea. You know, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so universal in its application. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What would be your favourite drink? I think I think probably tea. Then we'll tackle part two of this question. Um. Yeah. I don't know, I talked about, about cider recently, didn't I? What's your favourite carbonated drink? Do you like a Coca-Cola? Uh, I'm a Diet Coke person. Not a Coke Zero? Not Coke Zero. Mm. I find that tastes too sweet. I, I'm one of those people that likes that Diet Coke doesn't taste as strong or as sweet as regular Coke. Oh. Yeah. And yet I'm somehow the one with tummy trouble. <laughs> to be fair i also drink diet coke like at most once a week really yeah i don't it's not something we like buy and have in the house all the time yeah yeah right next tweet david comes from harry from Hang on, are we not going to address we, uh, wait 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 we need to address the second part of that question oh first. yeah sorry sorry yeah so, um, would I still drink it if it if I found out it was made with wasp urine? I'm going to be honest. No, I'd probably move on to coffee. I, I think I still would. Like, you've got to think. Most water, like when you run your taps, that water has definitely been inside <laughs> an animal at some point. Oh, of course, at some point. But yeah. like on a sort of homeopathic level, it's not... I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd feel great about it do you eat figs because aren't they basically just dead wasps i do not eat figs no i find them to be gross figs have got no place on a cheese plate i'll tell you that for nothing oh yeah uh no dis uh, no disagreement for me there um, I, I think i definitely right, would then. like it's just okay just wasp pee in it <laughs> right, Harry from Who Come All Convince right, You says uh, he's yeah. asking us for fashion advice, gig outfit ideas. Okay. I was thinking a white shirt with black waistcoat or black shirt and black waistcoat. I think you should go for Rick Wakeman, uh, sequin cape. Okay, yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna say go full Elton John 
and just go dressed as Donald Duck. <laughs> right, question two from Harry. Who is the strangest person you know and why? Please don't hold back. Uh, well, I think I think I know what your answer is probably going to be, Matt. Uh, who is the strangest person? I mean, at the moment, I've got to be honest, it's Little Zorbs. Ah. It, this morning, this morning, he dedicated a solid 30 minutes, minutes of his day to drawing uh, an intricate biro diagram of a mashed potato machine that plugs itself into the mains. Don't know where it gets the power in which to do that <laughs> from. Maybe it's got a battery as well. Um, uh, but yeah, it makes mashed potato. Happy people can use it. And sad people can use it as well, but only if they're using it to make themselves happy. Ah, that's what, what an that's what he sweetheart. spent his morning doing. Yeah, but certainly, but like at the moment, I'm just like, what is happening in your brain, my my lovely child? Like, where, what neurons are firing in what order to 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 produce that? I'm to be honest, it's coming from a place of jealousy. You know, I used to be a very creative person and I feel like my creative days are behind me. Mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, what about you, Matt? Um, I, I'm going to say an entire demographic of people and I'm just going to say supply teachers. <laughs> they are absolutely the worst, most abhorrent group of people. Like, I can understand why they can't get full-time employment. I mean, what? Come on, you've got to unpack that a bit. What right. is it about supply so, teachers? So I, I took a day off this week, as I've mentioned. I came back. Yeah. And I've got like quite a pristine lab. And what had happened in the time I wasn't there, bearing in mind this was yeah. one of my good classes, they'd taken all the glue sticks out the drawer, screwed them so the glue yeah. was fully extended, and then just mashed it into the wall... <laughs> And this supply staff just didn't notice at all. They're stealing a living. <laughs> and I know that doesn't reflect well on the young people either. But, like... Yeah. Christ, David. They're useless. I mean... Yeah. Well, the, the thing about supply teachers is that they are basically living... You know when you've handed your notice in at a job mm. and you're just working your notice period and you just suddenly... There, there are no fucks to be given at that point. David, I, I, I checked out two weeks ago. I've still got state. two weeks to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I mean. Like, supply teachers, that is just their bread and butter. That's another day in the office for them. They, they're never going to be anywhere long enough that they actually need to give a shit. Yeah. Because, uh, because also, like... You know, if schools are down a member of staff, they're desperate. They will take anyone. And supply teachers know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. I'm going to say them. I've seen some real horror shows over the years. <laughs> right. Final question from Harry. What is the quickest way to mow the lawn? Current idea equals petrol plus match. Mm. Get it astroturfed. Uh, you should just get... <laughs> I was going to say, get my partner to do it. Oh, my. 
It, get it astro it gets it done. Put down some gravel. Get a patio. <laughs> Just expunge your joy from your life. Just start subsisting on plain bread. Yeah. Just play. Just pay some like travelling odd folk to like gravel it, tarmac it for you. <laughs> right. Should we move yeah. on? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Real low energy this week, isn't it, David? Real low energy. I don't know. I I feel like I'm I'm, I'm in fairly ebullient mood. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know you're you're kind of. You're you're just checked out of life at the moment until until you get on that plane. But, yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. Right. Uh, next question comes from Frank. Who do you want to portray you in a biopic about your lives? Oh my god. Uh, I mean, I hate. Look, the let's be honest. The obvious casting for me is David Mitchell. No, I'm saying you, Patrick Stewart, me, Ian McKellen. <laughs> Oh God, yes, I would love that. Yeah. I would love a, a two-hander film of Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen playing men half their age, starting a Doctor Who podcast <laughs> with occasional. You know, we'll get the flashback midway through Act One to how they met, um, playing D and D, oh, and yeah. yeah, that would be compelling. Oh, for sure. You, Robert De Niro, me, Joe Pesci. Or, me and you played by the two, Joe Pesci and the other guy from Home Alone, the Wet Bandits. Yeah. What, what about that? What about we just play each other? I play you, you play me. Yeah. Or, we get Andy Serkis to do motion capture. Yes. Yeah. But, specifically... Motion capture of us as sort of like cartoon troll men. Yeah, yeah. I don't you, want realism here. You can have the Smeagol voice and I'll have the Gollum voice. <laughs> right, okay, we better move on. Right. The, look, there's endless possibilities, is what we're saying. Um, I, I'm going to move, I'm going to skip James Swifty Swift. I'm coming back to him in a moment. Because on that same note, okay. David, question from Sonia... What would be the title of your memoir? I don't know why. It just came into my head. Mine is going to be called Chip Pan Fire. (laughs) I think mine would be, at least I tried, parentheses, well, maybe for a little bit. Close. (laughs) Parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. James Swifty Swift says, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing, when would you go and what would you say? Oh. Um. I don't know. I don't. Look, it, the, 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 it's, it's almost a cliche, isn't it? That you go back and tell your younger self, look, it's going to be all right. Um, and I, look, I don't want to suddenly like be on a downer and, and be all serious and stuff, but but it, that is what comes into my head because I'm going to be honest, did not have a happy childhood, <laughs> um, and I'm in a much better place these days. So I, that that is something that I think my younger self genuinely would have needed to hear. So it it might be a cliche, but I think it's very true in my case. 
I'd go back about five years to when we were talking about starting a podcast. And I'd go, look, mm-hmm. you don't like Doctor Who now. It's okay. Like, it's not going to embellish your life in any real way. It's up to you. Probably just don't do it, okay? Keep your Saturdays free. <laughs> you know, you can go out walking, see a bit of the world. It'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Because above anything else, you know, David's saying, "Look, we'll give it a go. We'll do, we'll do three months or something, but you're gonna, you're gonna get locked in, Matt. Yeah, big commitment. <laughs> it's not gonna go away. Yeah, <laughs> I would go right. You know those two things you've got going on in your life at the moment: the podcast and the marriage. Which one do you think will outlast the other? Because <laughs> I, I think you'll be surprised, my friend." On that note, do you want to talk about this week's uh, episode of Torture? Uh, we've still got two questions. Uh, all right, okay, that would have been a perfect segue, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 do we'll tackle the last couple of questions. Uh, Ariel says, "Are you going to listen to Speak Now Taylor's version? That's the new Taylor Swift album, I think, David." And I, I'm going to say right, okay. no. Right? I don't like this Taylor right. Swift re-releasing all her old albums because. Oh, the record label owns the originals, and I'm I got to mix. You signed that contract. Fuck Taylor yeah. Swift. But also, I mean, look, I I respect artists wanting to have creative control, but is she not already like fantastically wealthy, regardless oh, of what the, oh, the but, details of her contract? Oh, but the men in suits are taking the money away. Nah, screw <laughs> her. She signed that paper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's still, you know, she probably could still, you know, has has a personal wealth equivalent to, uh, a, a, you know, the GDP of a, of a minor African state or something. You know, she's probably doing all right, regardless. Anyway, uh, I'm being very cynical. Uh, the, the, the real answer is I have no interest in Taylor Swift, so no, I won't be listening to her new album. I don't think I've ever consciously listened to a Taylor Swift album. No. I, I, it's it's not it's not my direction of travel. Um, right, right. Last yeah. question. James Courtney says, uh, "How do you make a scone?" Well, I think I've outlined that. You just buy one, put chili jam on it, and put a big <laughs> slab of Wensleydale on top. I mean, the answer is uh, biro. What? Follow the biro. Can't book. go wrong with the biro scone. Yeah, you can't go wrong with their recipe. Uh, either a plain scone, fruit scone, cheese scone, they've got you covered. Always make sure as well, if you do cheese scone, a little bit of mustard powder really, really picks it up. Oh, yeah. Essential. Absolutely essential. Yeah. Right. Should we talk Torchwood? I suppose we'd better had. Um, So, two episodes this week. We are discussing something borrowed and from out of the rain. Let's um, let's start at the beginning, Matt. Something borrowed. What did you make of this one? I mean, to be honest, I'm assuming it, it hit a little too close for home for you because it. I, I imagine it, it. Your your own wedding transpired in a very similar fashion to what we witnessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was doomed from the start. Don't know how I didn't yeah. see it coming. Um. <laughs> 
I don't know if this is the worst episode of Torchwood, but it's probably in my bottom three. Really? Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest, Matt. I had a good time with this one. Look, I am not going to sit here and say this was good TV. But what it made me feel was it, it was almost like a poor irritation of a Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright film. Yeah. You know, that that sort of fusing of mundane everyday life with some bizarre alien hijinks and it was definitely being played for laughs quite a lot um unfortunately what torchwood does not have on its side is um very funny and talented writers and directors well so um having, yeah. having not watched torchwood for about a month as soon as it mm. started playing and it does that like little guitar bit where it's like ding a ding a ding a ding a ding a ding in the background. Yeah. Honestly, absolute Pavlovian response. I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I hated it. There, there's, I'm going to point out two or three things I really didn't like about this episode. Okay. Before okay. you do, can I can I just try and put you in a slightly better mood? Uh, because uh, with my new recording setup, I've got um, I'm on my PC, and I've just got a notification um, that I've received a message from my partner who's taken Little Zorbs to a children's birthday party today, which is why we're recording a bit earlier. Um, and it says simply, we have two tribes of children, those who are enjoying wrestling on the bouncy castle and those who are not. Uh, when you said I've got a message, so I just... thought it was going to be from the Amateur Podcast Awards. Going, you've done it, boys. <laughs> you've won. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just thought thought I would I would uh, cheer you up with that image there, right? Um, but yeah, okay, go on then. What what specifically did not work for you in this um, episode? A few things. I realised in this episode how much I hate yeah. Ianto's little mumbly voice because. Yeah. All the way through, he's like, I think there's a shapeshifter. Should I go get the gun from the car? Jack, what are we going to do? And there's a shapeshifter and it's Gwen's wedding day. <laughs> and I was just like, enunciate your words. Mm. I've got to be honest. Gareth David Lloyd, I'm sure he's doing the best he could under the circumstances. But I, I, I in general, I'm just not a fan of his performance in Torchwood. I don't like his character. I don't like the way the character's written, and I don't like the way it's performed either. Ianto is is the weak link in an already pretty flimsy looking chain. <laughs> I, I, I just don't get it. He was really in love with that girl. Mm. Then he was in love with yeah. Jack, and now he's just sort of nothing. Yeah, yeah I, I, they, if a series two of Torchwood their main thing seems to have been that they've decided that Yanto is the funny one. But nothing in Gareth David Lloyd's performance makes me think that he can actually handle being the comic relief. I, none of his snarky little asides have ever worked for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, what, what's your next issue with this one? Banana. Yeah. 
Adult, um, adult men should not have nicknames. Mm. But again, I think that, that to me, that speaks to an attempt to get to that sort of peg and right vibe, you know, thinking like tires in space and, you know, it's that kind of thing that I think they are aiming for. But I, They're I, not necessarily succeeding at getting there. I know this is an incredible double standard, but like... Yeah. At least with tyres, he rides a bike. Here, yeah, it's banana. I assume because he's got a big willy. But how how do all his mates know that? That is a nickname he's given himself. Yeah, to try and look cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To, to be fair, I think you know he, we're meant to think he's a pillock from the off. But again, it, it's it, it's that difference between having people for whom this is. This is the thing that they want to be writing, which is what you get with something like Spaced or Shaun of the Dead. You really get the sense that these people are doing exactly what, they, what they've always dreamed of doing. I don't think anyone in their right mind was... I mean, it's Phil Ford, I think, writing this. I can't imagine Phil Ford thought this was his dream gig, writing this specific episode of Torchwood. <laughs> the one in which... Gwen and uh, Reese get married, and there's and Gwen's pregnant with an alien baby. Like you get that premise in your inbox, and you probably let out a big sigh, spend slightly too long making yourself a cup of tea, roll up your sleeves, and say, "Right, okay, if I bash this out in an, in one day." Then you know I might have, I might have enough time to watch the cricket tomorrow. Whatever you know, you know what I mean. I don't think anyone's coming to this, um, full of vim and vigor and creative spark. <laughs> it shows a little bit. And then the final thing I really didn't like was mm. the narrative device of let's just shoot this and it can run away to create drama. Yeah. Every yeah. scene uh, yeah. ends with this monster just running away and them going, oh no, again? My my biggest criticism of uh, of this episode would be, like, the pacing is really off. By about the midway point, like about sort of 25 minutes in, we're, we're out of twists, we're out of revelations, and it just becomes variations on a theme at that point. It's, an, in, in essence, just a big runabout. Uh, my other big, big criticism of this, which we might as well get out of the way now, is if they had the means... Maybe this was addressed in the dialogue and I missed it, but if they had the means of just getting rid of that thing from the, from the start, you know, because they've got that tool that they used on Martha, uh-huh. the earlier episode just do that like why did they not want to just do that from the get-go was there a reason given in the script that i've that i glossed over i don't think so i don't think so no because that's because that's how they fix it in the end but why get to the point that the the wedding is ruined and jack has to roofie a, you know, a function room of 
200 people. Yeah. <laughs> when, when they could have just done that and got on, got on with the wedding like normal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And all the way through, it's like, oh no, what is my mum going to think? Why didn't Jack say earlier, oh, don't worry, I'm going to wipe everyone's mind? Yeah. Yeah, it would have... Yeah, so it it doesn't it doesn't stand up to scrutiny um, at all. But I, like, like I say, to be clear, when I was watching it, I was having, by Torchwood standards, an okay time. Like I, I, I'm, I don't think I've, other than um, is it out of time from series one? Yeah, that's the only episode I think we've watched so far that I could point to and be like, ah, oh, this is good tv mm-hmm. like a, a good premise well written well performed well executed um this was not that but as a sort of messy you know sci-fi horror farce which is what essentially we had here i thought it was at least somewhat entertaining even if it was shambolic Right, shall we dive um, anyway, in? Anyway, shall we quickly rattle... Yes, rattle through the plot and then we can uh, move on. Right, something borrowed. Episode 9 of season 2 from the 5th of March 2008. Written by Phil Ford, directed by Ashley Way. Uh, we open on Friday night, which is Gwen's Hendu, or, as I've termed it, my personal idea of hell. Um, earlier in the <laughs> evening, they'd been hunting aliens... Uh, a shapeshifter, no yeah. less, uh, which bites Gwen on the arm, and we mm-hmm. cut back to the Hindu where she's got a horrible stripper man. It, it just it looks horrible, mm-hmm. but she wakes up on Saturday, yeah. the day of the wedding, with a big old bump because she's pregnant. David, yeah, that is the something borrowed. Did you have a stag do, Matt? Uh, yes and no. So, at the time I was getting married, one of my best men was also yeah. getting married. So we had a joint right. stag do, which in total had about six people on it. Where we right. went clay pigeon shooting, did an escape room, went for a big steak dinner, went home. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I've got no interest in, like, lads, lads, lads. Like, when my little brother got married, we went yeah. to Prague for his, and it was absolute chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of anything I would like less. If I were to have had a stag do, um, do you, you know, you've seen Parks and Rec, right? Yep. Um, you know how, um, uh, oh, what's his name? What's the name of the character played by Adam Scott? It's been ben. that long that I'm blanking on his... Ben, yeah. Um, Ben's, like, perfect stag-, stag do is just having a couple of beers and playing Settlers of Catan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, I, I very much resonate with that. Yeah. I, I, I'm a simple man. <laughs> one, one of my friends from work and his, like, friendship group um, like I've been out with them a few times I'm kind of on the periphery of that group uh, they invented a yeah. friend 
and said they'd all been invited on his stag do just so they could all have a weekend away from their wives. <laughs> That's sneaky. They were just like, oh, it's John's John Stag from back in the day. We all know him from school. You've probably never met him. And then they just all went. I, I, I find it... <sighs> I find it hard to believe that all of their partners were so credulous yeah. that uh, they didn't see right through that well, tissue of lies. There you go. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, uh, but anyway, we better move on. Yeah. So, Owen checks Gwen over, and it turns out the alien passes on its egg through its bite. So they potentially yeah. need to postpone the wedding. Reese calls yeah. and Torchwood all get given jobs to do, whilst Gwen explains what's going on to an angry Reese. However, Gwen yeah. just wants to get married. Uh, yeah. Tosh tries to invite Owen as a plus one to the wedding. I, I will say, I, you know, I, I've I've bashed Eve Miles' performance on occasion here. I think I, I think I bashed all of the main cast of Torchwood, with the exception of Bert Gorman at this point. Um, I thought the scene with Reese, where she is basically explaining, and and I like that it's not made explicit within the text, but it's it's right there. Uh, yeah, a subtext. The reason she is so desperate to get married is basically she is constantly staring down her own mortality. Mm-hmm. You know, the nature of her job; she could die at any flipping moment and she wants so she's not willing to wait for that reason and i liked that it wasn't made explicit but it was it came through in her performance that that was the reason yes um so yeah it was i thought that was a nicely done scene yeah in an episode that had a lot not many not much in the way of like in deep emotional resonance Right. Um, so, Gwen explains to her parents that she is mm-hmm. pregnant. And everybody heads off to the venue. Yeah. Um, where am I? So, Jack calls Reese, and Reese is really, really mad at him. And I've just mm-hmm. put, in this instance, Reese's friends are all awful. In particular, Banana, yeah. the best man. Yeah, uh, uh, that's the other thing I will say. Like, if if Banana is the best that Reese can do in terms of a best man, is he really marrying material? Yeah, I, I've, I just go look, without. I, I, yeah, look, they've they've done a decent effort, I think, especially in this series of showing the nobler side of Reese. Mm-hmm. Um, but you take you take Gwen out of the occasion, and I'm going to be honest. I think he's just a bit of an oaf. Yeah. You know, we've not really been given the only reason, the the only ways in which we've gotten to see a better side of Reese is because of his dedication to Gwen. You know, outside of that, I don't get what what Gwen sees in him, I guess. Well, all he does is get angry at the drop of a hat. 
Yeah, yeah. It's and like he doesn't he doesn't seem to have. I think they've gone so far down the route of making Reese just a typical bloke, in you know, in order to contrast his world with the world of Torchwood, that he doesn't, you know. He just thought he's just this collection of ordinary bloke tropes that make him quite a dull person <laughs> to yeah. spend time with. So, yeah. Right. Uh, where are we up to? Uh, Owen finds a shape shifting gland during his autopsy, and mm-hmm. we see that the girl at the wedding is a shapeshifter. As Tosh notices Ooh. her black blood. Yes, indeed. Full stop. New sentence. Man gets cock bitten off. <laughs> oh, Torch would never change. Yeah. Right. No, actually, please do change this. <laughs> I d- nobody wants this. So the alien is the female Nostrovite. That once its eggs are planted in a host, the female will rip the host open and get the eggs out as a form Mm. of childbirth. So Gwen's going to get torn asunder. Uh, Full stop, new sentence. Yanto's shitty mumble voice gets on my nerves. Full stop. we've covered that. Gwen's mum tells Gwen she looks like an angel, despite her hair being absolutely ridiculous. What's it? I don't know. I wasn't really paying much attention to to her hair. No, it was like Marge Simpson. It was just a bit where, like, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not here to hair shame yeah. anyone, but I didn't like it. I mean, I feel like this this episode was being made around the time of this sort of, you know, think things like sort of. I mean, I hate it because I think it's kind of sexist and reductive, but, you know, the whole bridezilla idea is... Mm. I feel like that was very much bubbling up in the zeitgeist around this time. And I think they were not not fully going down that route, but there was. I think they were kind of dabbling in those waters with this episode. Yeah. So, I I, I, I am, you know... She'd, uh, they'd certainly like done the thing that the, the Gwen had, you know, gotten the fancy hairdo when it was going to be a big fancy wedding in a big posh house and all the rest of it. Um, uh, though to be honest, as well, I think that's one of the things I did enjoy about this episode. It was really nice to have an episode which wasn't just the gang running around in an empty car park at night. Yeah, well, they get there in time, you know. <laughs> Right, yeah. Gwen can't lie to her dad, so says the baby isn't Reese. Sorry, isn't Reese's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tosh and Banana get webbed up together, whilst Gwen tells her dad yeah. everything. Gwen then walks down the aisle whilst the alien lady watches. Jack halts the wedding, whilst Owen and Ianto find Tosh and Banana. Gwen wants yeah. to get married, but is stopped by a screaming bridesmaid who has seen, like, an empty corpse. This mm. is where every scene ends with the sentence, they shoot it a bit and run about. 
so they shoot the alien a bit and run about. Owen has his super scalpel yep. to get the baby out, but the shapeshifter is Reese's mum for a bit. Jack calls Reese's mum like mm-hmm. an ugly bitch or something. Uh, Reese gets yeah. mad. All very funny. Uh, that, ha, ha, ha. That's... Yeah, I, I, you know, the other thing as well is I am so tired of the of mother-in-law humour. You know, I feel like, look, Les Dawson exhausted that well by the end of the 1970s. Yeah. Can we, can, can we find some new material, guys? I thought it was such a, such a first draft idea that they would basically have the horrible mother-in-law and, and, and have her be the, 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 the final form of this creature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Gwen has a gun concealed in her bouquet, so shoots the alien, and it's at this point I've written, how many times does it just run off? So Jack is the shapeshifter now, but Owen shoots it a lot, but it just runs off. So... <sighs> Yeah. They realise shooting it just leads to it running off, so they go get a big gun. Yeah. Torchwood's MO, it really is just see an alien, just blast it with bullets until it stops. The, yeah. It, 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 it's... I, I would love to see... Again, it's one of the things where it's like, it's. I don't want to compare it to Doctor Who, because... One of the one of the great joys of Doctor Who is seeing alien threats dealt with in endless, creative, largely but not exclusively, largely non-violent ways. Mm-hmm. You know, because by not giving your main character a gun and making every problem one that can be stopped with a big enough bullet just pushes you to be so much more creative with your storytelling. Yeah. And it's I think it's one of the things that holds Torchwood back is that they wanted to do the sort of gun-toting militaristic uh kind of thing. I think I think I just had a bit of a revelation here Matt. I think I understand now. Torchwood wants to be American TV. Yeah, 100%. Of that period. Like, that's it. They just, they were like, Doctor Who, we love it, but it's stuffy and it's British and it's, you know, why can't we do what the Americans do and just have cops running around blasting bullets into anything that moves? And I I would wager that the reason why we don't do that is because it often makes for quite boring TV. Um, Anyway. Right. right. So, yeah, they get a big gun. Reese super scalpels the, out the baby. He tries to chainsaw the alien, but Jack just blasts it away. They get married. Yeah. Owen and Tosh have a little dance. Jack and Gwen have a little dance. Everyone gets retcon mind wipes. Jack goes to Torchwood HQ yeah. to look at his own old wedding photos. The end. Yeah. what? Some people definitely get killed in this story, right? Yeah. So it's going to be... Uh, those families are going to notice, day, aren't they? Wake up the next day and you're like, oh man, got a bad hangover. Oh wait, where's that groomsman? He's dead. 
How did he die? Oh, yeah. nobody knows. You're under arrest. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't... It, it definitely doesn't tie everything up with a neat little bow, does it? No. Somebody at that party oh, God. is getting arrested for murder without a solid alibi. If this was uh, in America, that, someone would be wrongly put in yeah. the chair. Yeah. You know what? I'm sad now, Matt, because coming into this, I I, I was thinking of something borrowed as like six out of ten, stupid little romp, but I had an okay time with it. After talking to you about it and just unpicking the myriad flaws, big and small, I mean, it's not a six out of ten, is it? It's genuinely. It's I, a... I know it's easy to dump on Torchwood, but I'd give this a two out yeah. of ten. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm. I'm. I'd be saying an upper an upper end four, but that's probably being generous. But it's not good, is it? It's just not. It's not good enough. No. Well, thankfully, we've got from out of the rain to talk about. Oh right. Well. Okay, so the first thing I want to say about Out of the Rain uh, is I've got a note that it is written by uh, PJ Hammond. Yeah. I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah, PJ Hammond, uh, best known as creator of Sapphire and Steel. I think he wrote an episode for Series 1 as well. Okay. Um, If this was a Sapphire and Steel story... It probably would have been brilliant. As an episode of Torchwood, well, I don't think this works at all. No. What about you, Matt? Like, uh, it, if anything, this might have been worse than something borrowed. Like, what? Hmm. what is the resolution here? Some people get trapped in some film. Then they get out of the yes. film. And we don't know if it's magic yeah. film or what. We don't know if they're aliens. Mm-hmm. They're just like weird ghost people. Nothing is we, explained. We get a pass. No, we get a passing reference to rift energy, and that's it. That is that is as far as the explanation goes. And this is what what I'm getting at because, like with Sapphire and Steel, what is so brilliant about that show is that it is all about vibe and tone. It, it throws strange scenarios at you which ask big questions and it has very little interest in giving you neat and tidy answers because Sapphire and Steel as entities are completely otherworldly. They are, you know, it, and compared to, say, the Doctor in Doctor Who, who has a great deal of humanity to him, um, Sapphire and Steel are oops, sorry, just bashing my microphone there. Uh Sapphire and Steel are aloof and detached and um yeah, just they're happy to help, but they but they're not like they don't have any interest in explaining everything to a human companion or anything like that, like we get in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And it's what makes it special and distinct. But in Torchwood, I'm sorry. I I wanna I wanna understand why things are happening. <laughs> I I need that a little bit. 
because it because uh, at the end of the day torchwood part of its dna is uh is the police procedural and the satisfying part of a police procedural story is at the end going like ah right okay i see how all the pieces of the jigsaw fit together now i see how we've got to this end point and, and we just don't get that here it's and the other thing I was going to say about it is, I mean, not that I love Torchwood's dedication to just throwing blood and guts and gratuitous sex and swearing on screen to try and convince you that it's an adult TV show. Um, but this episode is so mild and chaste that in all honesty if you just swapped out the Torchwood crew for the Sarah Jane gang, you wouldn't have to change anything else. I, I felt that. Block, we, really. We've seen this exact episode yeah. in that Bradley Walsh yeah. clown episode. It's it's very similar, isn't it? It's very similar. I guess the other, the other key difference is you probably would have had all the victims waking up in their hospital beds, not just one child who has lost his sister and parents oh yeah <laughs> it ends and we're like oh thank god yeah. we saved that one boy who is now an orphan <laughs> because you failed to save his family yeah yeah i just we're not going to address that again i guess they were going for a, a kind of pyrrhic victory but you've got to you've got to like have the characters dwell on 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 the fact that it's a pyrrhic victory for that to feel like a satisfying conclusion and not just like jarring but but it just felt jarring that anyway um yeah i should we should we should we quickly so out of the two we're talking about this week which which did you like the least probably Maybe this one. At least something borrowed was yeah. trying to do something. This is yeah. the most by the numbers nothing we've watched. Mm. Yeah, it really, it really did. I mean, yeah, I got to be honest as well. Around about the halfway point, I popped it up to one point five speed. Oh, I wish I did. I got up early to watch yeah, this I was this so... morning. Yeah, I was so disengaged with it that I was just like, I just need to get this over with at this point. Um, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I think it's it's not it's not helped by a few things. It's not helped by the fact that the the spooky carnival aesthetic has had already been done to death by this point. You know. Yeah. The fact that that we we'd already already seen it in Torchwood, we've seen it in Doctor Who. It the opening, uh, the, the sort of like the the, the prologue the, is it was it a cold open? I think it probably was a cold open of this episode. The director was trying so hard to give us Tim Burton vibes, but it you know I'm sorry, Tim Burton kind of did everything that he needed to do by the end of the 1990s so it just nothing about this felt fresh or interesting or distinct enough to hold my interest yeah i'd agree yeah 
So yeah, I, I I'm with you. Look for all of for all of the flaws of uh, something borrowed. This is just so dull. That's <laughs> yeah. there's nothing to get your teeth into, is there? No. Anyway, come on, let's 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 rattle through the plot and then we can uh, call it a day. Right. So there's an old time circus and a girl visits the opportunity to a once in a lifetime show. When she yeah. takes the ticket and enters, all of a sudden the whole circus disappears, leaving her behind. Sorry, leaving her mum behind in an empty field. Yeah. Why? Why did the circus keep kidnapping people? Was it just so they had an audience? Was that something? Maybe. I don't know. It's not. Like I say, this. But like that that's TJ the Hammond main plot point and we don't know. Mm. Yeah. Like I say, PJ Hammond as a writer, he's he's more of a questions than an answers guy, and I think with the right execution that could be brilliant. But Torchwood is not you know, it's Torchwood is not a David Lynch kind of show. No. You know? It's not it's not meant to be playing in those kind in that level of surreal abstraction mm-hmm. that you can get away with that kind of writing yeah right e- uh, after the intro someone is watching an old film and sees a ringmaster in a haunted film reel this is happening whilst jack yeah. drinks some tea and hears the sound of the funfair Ianto, Gwen and Owen go to the cinema known as the Electro, which has a history of rift activities. And the boy we saw earlier is the cinema owner's son. So they watch a film of old Cardiff and the young boy realises it's the wrong film, but he can't change it. But we see Jack on screen. Ooh. Yeah. He then arrives. Mm. The girl at a bus stop is approached by the ringmaster we'd seen on screen who puts her in a bottle. Uh, We find out later that he doesn't. He just puts part of her in a bottle. Yes. At Torchwood HQ, the computers break. We don't know why, and it's not explained. Uh. (laughs) The Torchwood team investigate the girl from the bus stop, whilst the ringmaster just goes to a cafe. And I was thinking, how late was it that this cafe was just closing and tidying up? Yeah, because it looks really dark. I mean, I guess if it's sort of dead of winter, it might be like six o'clock or something. Yeah, because it just looked like a greasy spoon cafe, didn't it? Yeah, but honestly, it looks like it's it's pitch black. It's midnight. Yeah, it's like midnight, and this lady's <laughs> finally stopped serving up. cooked breakfasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Torchwood go to the hospital to see the victims, and they watch yeah. the film again and do see Jack. It turned out Jack used to be part of a freak show as the man who couldn't die. So does it insinuate yeah. that he just shot himself in the face with that pistol? And everyone would go, wow. Yeah, I, I I guess so. But, I mean, I'll be honest. I think I, 
morality and um I, I i can't see that flying to be honest in british society of that period the like that level of gore in as part of a performance plus at this point in british history wasn't jack already yeah. in the military or was this after he turned his back on them at what point does he join torchwood we what is pop- going on in jack's timeline Given, given, given the age of that footage, I'm say I would say this is, to me, it looked like um, turn of the century, so possibly even pre World War One. Mm. Anyway, but you know, yeah, right. Jack talks about the night travelers. Ooh, yeah. We never get any explanation about them. Uh, Ianto realises no, the film don't. has changed since last time they've watched it. Like, a girl has disappeared from the film, and a man too. Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. Mm. Right. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish, this episode. Uh, people have come out of the film. We have a flashback to the circus, and Tosh thinks she can hear the sea in the middle of the town. I'm just yep. waiting for you to explain yeah, I, that I, plot point, so, David, because the episode doesn't. <laughs> no, I don't think it does. This is the trouble. I, normally, you know, the way this works is that you'll rattle through the plot and then I'll interject and we'll have a little chat. I, I have no interjections. I think up top I've said everything I can possibly think to say about this episode. I'm, I'm trying. But uh, yeah, no, nothing for you there. I, sorry. I, I saw a thing this week. And it was the two guys that write South Park. And they were saying at no point when they write an episode are they allowed to use the words and then. You have to either say because of or therefore. So this thing happens because of or this thing happens and Mm -hmm. therefore something else happens. Mm -hmm. This episode is just this happens and then this happens and then this happens. Rubbish. Absolute yeah. rubbish. Yeah. But, you know, I, I want to underscore this. I don't think... I firm believe that there is not one set formula for telling stories. And I I like a lot of surreal, absurd, abstract uh, art and storytelling it can work, it can be very powerful it can be very effective, stuff that kind of puts you in that sort of liminal state where you're not sure if what you're watching is real or it's happening, you know, w- when things are adhering more to a dream logic than any kind of earthly sense um, and also I-, I would push back a little bit on the idea that that nothing can ever happen as a result of coincidence. Coincidences do exist. They do occur in real life. And coincidence can be an effective tool in telling a story. But the point I'm making here is the middle of series two of Torchwood is not the place to be trying this sort of thing. Because we have firmly established that Torchwood is... A grimy, grubby little cheap sci-fi horror 
procedural show. You know, I, 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 I don't want to be too down on it, but basically, Torchwood needs to know its place. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point trying to reach for the stars here, guys, because you will fail. You know, two um, series in and this show doesn't yeah. know what it is. Just get it cancelled. Yeah. No, but series three is so good, Matt. I'm um, looking we forward get, to we're that in the change our tune. Yeah. Right. Um, I cannot... What will people do? You know the people who, who have said to us, just ha- just hold on, your your love series three. What if we absolutely fucking hate series three? Honestly, I don't care. I don't care. At this point, <laughs> the people who like Torchwood are just absolute grubs to me. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it it does it does because there there is a contingent of the of the Doctor Who fandom who ha- still have nice things to say about Torchwood. Was it just one of those you had to be there things? Like, if I was watching this when it first came out, would I have felt more of a tingle of excitement? I don't think I. I, I really don't think I would because I don't think there's ever been a stage in my life <coughs> where the sort of thing that Torchwood is attempting most weeks appeals to me. Like, um, I, I, I just feel it's, it it's feels hard. so disassociated from Doctor Who at this point as well. You know, yeah. like, the, like the message that Doctor Who tries to give and the message we get from Torchwood just I, I, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, no, I, I don't. And I, I, I think it, it's kind of, it speaks as well to one of the issues that I have with, with the RTD era, excuse me, uh, the RTD era of Doctor Who as well, which is that there is this underlying cynicism. I think RTD does not get... Um, I don't feel people talk enough about how what a cynical writer he is. He can he can give you these moments of hope, but he also seems to have a fundamentally pessimistic view about human nature mm. uh, and and what we are capable of as a species. And whilst that can be a really interesting viewpoint to explore. I would maintain that Doctor Who is not the right venue for that kind of pessimism. Doctor Who, for me, has to be um, an optimistic show that reminds people that we're capable of better. Yeah. Um, Don't really get that message here, do we? No, you definitely don't get it in Torchwood. And... You only get it very fitfully, I think, in uh, the RTD era, um, which is a shame. <laughs> and it makes and I, I, the, I I'm sorry for ranting about that because it's not kind of not really relevant to what we're talking about here. But it's I, I'm going to be honest. It's it's right at the top of my brain at the moment. I am so worried about the future of this show. Because, look, RTD did a lot of really good, important things. I don't think we would necessarily be sat here talking about the show now were it not for what he did in 2005 uh, and, and bringing the show back into public consciousness with such a bang and with such a plum. 
he did a lot of great stuff but i'm just really i really wish somebody else had been given a crack of the whip i don't i'm really worried that we are just going to see a return to his vision of doctor who which is only one of many and it will kind of cement this idea that his is the only correct version of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I worry that that's how it will become for a lot of people. That any deviations from the RTD model will be seen as somehow lesser or... Um, yeah, just a, 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 an inferior version. I hope that's not the case. I hope that's just me being sensitive and overreacting a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, we, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, uh, it's weird. It's like the closer we get to November, I'm not I'm not feeling hyped. I'm just feeling nervous. <laughs> we'll probably get there and I'll have an absolute ball with those three specials. We shall see. Uh, I hope so. I want to. I want to. Anyway, come on. Let's, let's wrap this up. Right. Um... So, the Ringmaster and Pearl attack a family, and Pearl wants to bring all the others back. The nurse at the uh-huh. hospital tells Jack of a psychiatric patient who had met the circus, uh, so he makes his way there. Okay. We find out... First, very, very convenient that, that, that it was that one nurse that's worked at both establishments. And secondly, pretty sure... She is like breaking patient confidentiality. And... Yeah. So just blurting out to an absolute stranger, you know, but all these details about somebody else. Also, it's like, uh, imagine the writer's room. Uh, I don't really know how we get from A to B here. I don't know. Old lady. Yeah. Let's do lunch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the ringmaster is the ghost maker. That yeah. means nothing. He holds the last breath nope. of each of his victims in a flask. And we we don't know why. He just does. Yeah, uh, he does. This bit confused me more than anything. The cinema owner's son spends a lot of time in a warehouse that is somehow the cinema basement and also his flat. <laughs> like, I mean, you know... The housing crisis was already in full swing at this point. Yeah. So that that cinema is like a bloody you, you tower. Take what you can you find. go down to the basement; it's a full warehouse. Yeah, I'm sure they used like six different locations for that one cinema. Right. Um, the cinema owners go to the cinema. Pearl is there. Jack has a plan where he says, "I'm going to film them all. That way, I keep them." On film, basically. We just trap them again. Yeah. On film. Uh huh. So he just walks around with this little vintage camcorder and he fires mm-hmm. it like a gun and it looks awful whenever he does it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where are we up to? People come out of the film and Ianto eventually grabs the flask of breaths and runs off. But by now, it's pretty much mm-hmm. spilled everyone's breaths. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack kills all the circus folk whilst the ringmaster throws this flask and ultimately it just has one breath in it so they save a little boy until we get like a little coder at the end of the episode where someone's at a car boot sale 
buying some more film that potentially has the same circus people on. Yeah. Okay, fine. Load of crap this episode. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, you know what? One other thing that I that I did want to mention. Uh Julian Bleach, who plays the ghost maker, uh better known to Doctor Who fans as Davros. Oh really? Yeah. Which, which do you think is his whether... better role? <laughs> Uh, I'm just like, checking on the notes. Yeah, he it he got cast as Davros for Stolen Earth and Journey's End after this performance. So he obviously did enough to impress them. I mean, to be fair, he has a certain... He's managing to... I wouldn't say do a lot with a little, but he's managing to do something with barely anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, he's not the, he's not the... He's not the problem with this episode. No. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think he probably made a bigger impact with Davros. Oh, wow. He is a fine Davros, isn't he? I really hope, I really hope as long as he's able to do it, they keep him. Is he old man Davros, Davros, like Capaldi Davros? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've used him across right. uh, all the series so far. We've only had one new who Davros. Just Julian Bleach. Yeah, I mean, he, he in that two-parter, he is utterly magnificent. Yeah. His scenes with Capaldi are spellbinding. Good. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's nice that we can end on a positive note, admittedly talking about a completely different episode of television. Yeah, so... Right. Next, next time, Matt, we are wrapping up Series 2 of Torchwood. I'm not dragging this out any longer. Go, we are three episodes, and do you know? Do you want to know uh, a, a little treat as well? All three written by Chris Chibnall. Oh, great, great! We are going to be discussing adrift fragments and exit wounds. Oh, hooray! I'm excited already. So, yes, very much looking forward to that. Um, but until then, as always, thanks ever so much for listening. Until next time, cheerio. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. And on Twitter, we are at Time Nor Space Pod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.